Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. The final book of the Old Testament. The book of Malachi chapter Malachi chapter 3 starting at verse 6 and would everyone please stand for the reading of God's word the last book of the Old Testament the book of Malachi chapter 3 starting at verse 6 you will find these words for I am the Lord I do not change therefore you are not consumed O sons of Jacob yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts but you said in what way shall we return will a man rob God yet you have robbed me but you say in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes unto the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This morning, I just want to speak with you for a few moments from the thought, opening the windows of heaven. Opening the windows of heaven. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master, But there's something 
Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, starting at verse 6. Opening the windows of heaven. The book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament. 27 in the new. During the time of Malachi, Israel had found itself once again dealing with serious issues as it relates to their relationship to their neighbors and, unfortunately, their relationship to God. It was another time where leadership had gone awry that the people of God had lost their way. But the good news is that God was not lost. And God knew exactly where his people were. God says to his people here in the text today that he is the Lord and he changes not. I want to preface this message today and let you know that today I, I originally wanted to talk about leadership, but the Holy Spirit impressed on me that today I needed to talk about stewardship. But we talk about this text usually in light of verse 8 through verse 10, but verse 8 through verse 10 means nothing if you don't understand verse 6 and verse 7. If the things in verse 6 and verse 7 is not there, 8 through 10 means nothing at all. See, the problem that Israel was having at this time is that they had turned from God. But God reminds them that he is the Lord and he does not change. Though societies change, though times change, though technologies change, the Lord does not change. And that's good news for those who want to follow and trust him because you need a solid foundation 
to trust upon. You don't need sinking sand. You don't need capriciousness. You don't need fickleness. You need the solid rock of Jesus Christ. When you're going through the good times and the bad, you need to know that God still is where he said he is. That he has not turned away from you, but if anything, you have turned away from him. He is a faithful God. He cannot come short of his word. Whether it's doing economic distress or or uprising societally, God is still the same. That's good news, saints, that you need that solid foundation. You need a place to go back to. You need a place to go and to find refuge in the time of storm. So when we look at the text, in reality, it's about relationship. And relationship manifests some activities that's based on the relationship that you have with him. But first, let's look closer here in the text. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. This translation here, amen, the New King James Version says it a little different than the King James, amen. But the color of the King James is said, because I am the Lord that Jacob is not consumed. Oh, Jacob, you have not been destroyed, not because you've been so good. Are y'all following me? But because the Lord has not changed. God made a promise to Israel that he was going to make them his people. And that if he was going to make them his people, then he could not destroy them. But they were worthy to be destroyed just like we are today. But it's because of God's promise that they were sustained. He's saying to them that based on where you're going and what you're doing, amen, you have every reason to be destroyed. But because of my mercy and grace, because I do not change, because I'm not short of my promises, you are not consumed. And saints of God, you need to know today that God is still not short of his promises. Whatever he said that he will do, he will do. It doesn't matter whether it's coming your time, whether it looks like it, the season looks right. God said he'll do it and it shall be done. It may come in a way that you have never even imagined, but yet God is not short of his word. But from the perspective of stewardship, amen, it starts with relationship. See, your problem with stewardship always comes out of problems with relationship. Because if your relationship is right, stewardship will follow. Amen? Look at the text. He says, yet in the days of your fathers, you have gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will Return to you, says the Lord of hosts. God says to the Israelites of that day, amen. He says to them, your problems didn't start yesterday. He says, I had these same problems with your fathers. And church, our problems didn't start yesterday. These same problems have been around for generation after generation. There has been disobedience. There have been turning away from the Lord. 
But God is saying to Israel, as he is saying to us, you can make a change, though. You don't have to keep doing what you've always done. Your history does not have to be indicative of your future. You don't have to be caught up in idolatry and, and, and mistreating your brothers and hatred. You can turn from that and turn back to me. He says, you, as long as the blood is warm and warm in your veins, there's always an opportunity to repent. There's always an opportunity to turn from your wicked ways. There's always an opportunity to ask God to forgive you and to restore to you a right relationship with him. When we look at the text, it says that they've gone away from his ordinances. They have not kept them. They have gone their own way. They've done their own thing. Sometimes we get in a position to where we think that we now can interpret God instead of realizing that God has made plainly and explicitly his word. We sometimes say, well, God didn't really mean this or didn't really mean that. We were studying amen in our youth Bible study, amen, over in the third chapter of Genesis, that was the problem from the very start. In the fall of man, what Satan did, the one who was the serpent, the beast that was more cunning than any other beast in the field, that one came to Eve and tried to challenge what she had heard from the Lord. Well, God didn't really say that if you eat of this tree that you will surely die. He is the master of deception. Deception is in his name. And Satan is trying to teach folks all over the world, in the church and out, that God didn't really mean what he said, but he really meant something else. When we are in light of this passage, we find that the people had turned, but God said, if you will return to me, I will return to you. God is always a gentleman. He will wait on you to turn back to him. You're going your own way, doing what you think is right, what you enjoy the most out of the ordinances of God, but God is a patient God. But I want you to know that someday the door will close. And you must do it while it is yet today. Because when day is past and night cometh, no man can work. It is a time now to repent, a time to turn back to the Lord, a time to become good stewards of that which God has given us. When you look at the text, we find that returning unto him, he said he will return to us, says the Lord of hosts. But the problem starts right here. It says, but you said in what way shall we return? The people ask a question that they shouldn't have to ask. They should have known to be able to repent, to turn, to turn from their wicked ways, to turn back to obedience unto God. God had just told them that you did not obey my ordinances. You did not keep them. But because they wanted to go their own way, they were acting as if they did not understand how to get back to God. 
But that's what we talked about in Sunday school when we talked about the suppression of truth in unrighteousness. See, folk want to do what they want to do and how they want to do it. So if they've got to suppress the truth in order to do it, they will. But you're still going to be responsible for your actions. Amen. God knows all things and he knows that he's made the truth plain. But if you decide to suppress it, then there is a consequence for sin. When we look at our text, they ask this question, but then it's almost as if it was inserted into the text, the answer by way of question. The answer comes in verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. Well, Verse 8 is an interesting verse in light of what God was saying about his ordinances and that they had not kept his word. There is something interesting about stewardship as it relates to money. You can fake a lot of things about God, but money doesn't lie. You can fake, oh, I love the Lord, oh, bless the Lord. You can say with your mouth, but when it comes to money, it can be counted. When we talk about the deception of the evil one, about the enemy, amen, who said to Eve, well, God didn't really say that. Well, he really meant this. In this text, we find that this is an area where the people were playing dumb. And in our contemporary context, it appears that Satan has also entered in with some, he didn't mean this, but he really meant that. I've heard time and time again that you don't have to tithe. You, yes. No, that's Old Testament. Well, there's a problem because Jesus talks about it, amen, in the Gospels, and Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. New Testament, amen, if it was going to be done away with, then the conversation about it would no longer be. But if the tithe is not good enough, amen, then we can look no further than a tax collector. Well. A little man who climbed up in a tree whose name was Zacchaeus. We can take the tithe and look at what Zacchaeus said. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to return all that that I have taken mis- the under, uh, 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 misguided or under deceit, amen, and return to them fourfold that which I have taken. He says to the Lord, I'm going to give half of all that is mine. So let's look at it from that perspective. That's New Testament. So how about giving 50% instead of 10%? The Lord has not changed. Verse 6. He changes not. And some say, well, the law has been destroyed. It's done away. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said in the fifth chapter of Matthew, he says, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. 
The law has gone nowhere. The law is still God's righteous standard. And it's still the standard that has to be met. The only difference between the grace dispensation and the dispensation of the Old Testament is that Jesus now is our fulfillment in him. That putting our faith in him, he has fulfilled it, therefore we fulfill it through him. But the standard of the law is still the same. But the reason why this text is nestled here is because this is one way to, to also identify our relationship with God. Money is a sticky issue. Money is a very important issue because we have to have money to live. Well, We've got to buy. They're not, they're not taking well wishes. They're taking money. Man. So God understands this being such an important area of our lives that out of money and our ability to give it or receive it will show our relationship with him. But God says something interesting in this text. In verse 8, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and in offerings. Well. We have a teaching today that, well, the tithe is no longer uh, valid. But then we have another teaching that says, well, the tithe is valid, but the tithe is just not money. You can tithe in time and you can tithe, you know, in other materials and in money. Well, there's a problem with that being what the tithe is all about. See, once again, it's kind of like how you can fake some things with, you know, I love the Lord with speech. Amen. How much time? Are you giving to the Lord? If that's the way that you're tired. But, but I have a problem with that because of how this text continues. The text says to us that you have robbed God. You robbed him in tithes and in offerings. A tenth of everything of the first fruits and your offerings. The text says you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even the whole nation. I'm just talking today about stewardship. Verse 10 says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Let's stop right there for a minute. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how um, you can store up your time. Amen. The time when it's used, it's used, it's done. But we must understand that the Israel, Israeli nation or the Hebrews were an agrarian society. Amen. They were agriculture in nature. So when it talks about the storehouse here, it is bringing their goods to the temple. It's bringing goods to the storehouse so that it can be used to supply the needs of others. Now, that's agrarian in nature, but we don't live in an agrarian society no more. We don't barter. Amen. We use money. So, therefore, God is saying, bring a tenth of your first fruits. When you go to work and you make a paycheck, he's saying, bring a tenth of it. 
to me because it's mine. It's not yours, it's mine. Now we can do like Satan was saying to Eve and we can change that and say that it wasn't, it isn't, but God is the Lord and he changes not. Just talking a little while about stewardship. So God's saying, bring me the tithe, mine, and bring it to the storehouse, the church, in the contemporary context. Some say, well, well I, I give to different things. I mean, I give a little bit to my, to my sorority or to my fraternity, and I give a little bit to charity here, and then I give a little to the church. No, here he's talking about the church. All that's good, but here he's talking about the church. His storehouse, bring it to his storehouse. So in the text, he says, because they have not followed through, they have been cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. See, what has happened is the reality of their giving is just pointing to their relationship. The reason why they're not giving is because their relationship with God is not healthy. Healthy giving comes out of a healthy relationship with God. But as Sister Butler has said so many times, you can choose the sin, but you cannot choose the consequence. When we look at the text, Israel chose the sin, amen, but they cannot choose the consequence. Because God says because they have done this thing, they are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. But God being merciful and graceful as he is and so gracious, he has an answer to the problem right here in verse 10. There are some of us who may today, amen, make a good sum of money but cannot figure out where it's going. Seems like as soon as we get it, it's just rolling away. And that comes out of not being obedient to the ordinances of God. Haggai said it best. He said, and you put money in bags as if the bags have holes. But God wants to bless you. (laughs) Remember, we're talking as well about opening the windows of heaven. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be found in my house that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. I I don't know any other place in the Bible, amen, where God says, do something and try me right now. Try me and see if I won't do what I say I'll do. He says in this text, he says, and try me now, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, Lord have mercy, that there will not be room enough to receive it. I I don't know about y'all today, but I I love God's blessings. Amen. And he says, here's a particular blessing for you if you obey me. He says, in this thing, I got a such blessing. He says, if you bring all the tithes to the storehouse, if you bring the tent that is mine and your offerings, amen, if you bring them to the storehouse, you can try him. Some folks may say, well, you know what? I can't tithe. 
Pastor, I can't tithe. I can't tithe because I can't afford the tithe. My debts are so high and my, my troubles are so, my outgo is more than my income. I can't do it. Well, I say to you that if you're in that situation, you can't afford not to tithe. Because I found out in the word of God, amen, that God says, give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Yeah. Talking about stewardship today. You know what? You got to give out of your problems. Because even though it may be given to the church, and some say, well, I can give it to that pastor. No, the Bible says the Lord remembers your offering. When you give to the church, you give it to God. God's not confused about who it was given to. God knows exactly where it is, and he knows how to account it for it in heaven. Nobody can fool God around what he's required. It's your decision and it's your responsibility to do what the Lord commands. Well. So we look at the text and we find out that it's really not about money anyway. No, it's about a heart condition. God doesn't need your money. God is rich in houses and land. The cattle on a thousand hills and the hills thereof. God, God has everything he needs. He, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell in it. So God don't need any money. But it is out of your giving that it shows whether or not you have returned to God. But if you do not return to God, amen, many of your problems will come out of that dissection or that division between you and God. But God says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Earlier I said, when your debts are high and your outgo is greater than your income, that is the time when you can't afford not to tithe. Because it's in those times, y'all, when you need such a blessing. But you really don't want to give just to get. Amen. You want to give because you love God. But because you love God and you give and obey his commandments, he says, I will bless you. And he says, I will bless you and he will open up the windows in heaven. Now the last time I checked, God has everything. Mm -hmm. He has everything you need and more. So God is saying, prove me now. If you give right, prove me that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. When we think about the blessings of the Lord, amen, we can think about money because we're talking about money. But there's more to blessing than just money. Because there are some things that money can't buy. God can pour you out some comfort in the midnight hours. God can pour you out some health and some strength. God can pour out some healing for your broken body. Such a blessing if he will not open up the windows of heaven. But when you are following the dictates of God and God is proving 
that he will be who he says he will be as it relates to his word. You'll find yourself with things that will be in abundance. You'll have so much that you will have an overflow. You'll be looking around and saying, I got so much that I got to give some away. That's the whole principle. God is looking for folks who will give so he can give more to them that he can, they can give more to somebody else. Well. The kingdom of God is not giving to get, but giving to give. Because God has left us here today to be a light into a dark world. Well. The world needs to see Jesus. Well. And when you see Jesus, you see giving. There's no other greater giver than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left heaven on the throne with all of the worship and praise going on to put on a body of flesh and to come down and to be without home. He said birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He became homeless so that we would have a home. There is no greater giver than Jesus himself. But he wants to show us that when we are givers, God will give to us. There was a story about a man who said that his mama, when he was growing up, he said his mama was, uh, was they were very poor and, and there were people who had cars and they had no car. There were people who had mother and father, but all he had was his mother. But every Friday, his mother would invite folks down to the house to eat. She would fix suppers and that she would arrange the food and they would come and eat. And one day the son said, Mama, what are you doing? We don't have enough our own selves. And here you are fixing food for everybody else. They got cars down there. They got food. They got parents. It's just you and me. Why are you doing this? And the boy said he went off to college. And he got to college, he, he had to take the bus to get to where he could go because he had no transportation. But he got off to college. And one day he had opportunity to talk with his mother on the phone and he was reminded of all of those Fridays and all of those days that she fed folks and seeing that they had more than she had but yet she was doing it and they were struggling. And he said, Mama, why did you do that? And the mother said, well, son, let me tell you something. Said, I found out that when I give to others, you know, I don't have much. But when my children need something, there might be somebody who will reciprocate that which I've done to them for my kids. So that they will have when I can provide. The young man said some weeks went by and he was going through school and he had different things and different challenges that came up. And one day, he said there was a man who drove up in a Cadillac, amen, in a three-piece suit, and came into the building, to the dormitory, and asked for this young man, and said, tell him his Uncle Jack is here. All right. The boy said, Uncle Jack? I ain't got no Uncle Jack. Who's he talking about, Uncle Jack? And then the person who came to him and said, you better go see your Uncle Jack. Because he drove up in a Cadillac and a three-piece suit and is looking for you. All right. So the young man, with, with, with hesitance, decided, okay, I'm going to go down here and see this Uncle Jack. So he gets down there and the man says, son, you don't know me. 
But I know your mother. Since as the years have gone by, I've been to your house and you weren't paying attention, but I was eating at these suppers and, and that she would fix these wonderful meals. And I promised her that when your children went off to school that I would be there for them. And so I'm coming to complete that promise in you. He says, here is $100 right here now that if you've got some incidentals that you need supply. He says, I don't live far from this college. So when you're hungry and you need something to eat, here's my phone number and you just call. And when you call, we'll pick you up and take you to our home and you will eat with us. He says, and guess what? I've got a second call. If, if you got your license, son, then what you can do, here's the keys to that car. And when you're ready to drive it, it'll be in the driveway for you. Because I promised your mama that I would take care of you. That young man realized that God had orchestrated in his life how giving makes all the difference. He had no idea what God had in store for him through his mother's giving. So today I say to you, saints of God, what does God have for your children and your children's children through your giving? Not just to worry about what you get out of it, but what comes for your children in the future. You don't want to be caught up in the curse, but you want to have such a blessing. Because when you give, you identify with the Christ. The one who gave it all one Friday evening in a place called Gargantus Hill. The one who died for your sins and my sins and didn't have to. The one who stayed on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. The one who could have called a legion of angels, but he didn't because he decided to die just to save you and me. The greatest giver of all, Jesus Christ, and on that third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. Today, I just want to talk to you and I'm talking to you about stewardship because there is such a blessing. And the Bible goes on to let us know that this God, this son of God who has been raised from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the father is coming back one of these days and he's coming back for those who are faithful. Will he find you faithful in the tough things like giving? Will he find you faithful in giving of the tithe and your offering? Not so much that he can just do account, but so much that he can show you a blessing. He can show you the kind of blessing that long after you're gone, long after you have stuck your sword in the sand of time to study war no more, long after that, that your children's children, children's children are still being blessed because he can do it. He can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Amen. Saints of God, at this time we're going to open up the doors of the church. There may be somebody here today that needs to return to the Lord. Needs to come to the Lord and know him in the pardoning of their sins. God has a great gift for all who will receive it. It's life and life forevermore. 
But it is a decision that you must make. Well, He won't force you to do it. But today can be the day of salvation for you. It won't cost you nothing because Jesus has already paid it all. And there is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless your name, Master, for all we've heard and seen on today. Lord, help us to be better stewards of that which you have given us. Lord, don't let us get to the throne of grace and find that we have robbed you. Lord, help us to be diligent in our giving because it is a manifestation of our relationship with you. But Lord, help us to remember that we cannot beat you giving no matter how we try. If we give a tenth, a fiftieth, or a ninetieth, it does not compare to all that you have given us. So Master, help us to realize that there is a better way, a more excellent way, and that is to follow your ordinances. So Master, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare to leave this place and go to our prospective homes and other destinations, Lord, continue to put your holy hedge of protection around us and to keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. Lord, these things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord and the whole church saying, Amen.